welcome back. You are listening to that one sports podcast. You already know who it is, but just in case you didn't know, it's your boy, Mitch Wilson, and I got a great episode for you. So let's get into it. First off, some news that broke after I recorded the podcast last week is a sad day if you are an Alabama fan. Nick Saban is retiring as the head coach of Alabama. This is a huge domino in the college football world. This is a guy who is, without question, in my opinion, the greatest collegiate coach of all times. Six national championships. I mean, that's insane. What was even more impressive was the consistency that Alabama had over his tenure. It's hard to get to the top, but then it's even harder to stay on top. And the fact that Nick Saban and all of the Alabama teams were able to sustain greatness, whether being the top team of the country or a top three team, top four team for essentially 10, 15 plus years is absolutely amazing. And I will say, I do wonder if the new structure of college football and the and the NIL deal had anything to do with him stepping away. However, he is in his 70s and coaching is a very time-consuming and very exhausting job. So maybe it was just time for him to go. But the Alabama brings in their new head coach and hire, Coach Kalen DeBoer. And this is Washington's former head coach. And I tell you what, he is going to have an immense amount of pressure upon him because you're taking over for the best coach ever in college football. So you're gonna you're going to be held to a very high standard. And what's gonna be interesting and what you've already started to see is you have already started to see players from Alabama enter the transfer portal. Probably the most noticeable is true freshman Caleb Downs is headed to the transfer portal, and he is a stud on defense. He is the he was their starting safety as a true freshman. And any time you come in as a true freshman to a Division One school, especially at a school like Alabama, who is a top tier school in the country, and you start as a true freshman, you are elite at what you do on the football field. And so it's going to be interesting to see how many of guys like Caleb Downs enter the transfer portal and how that affects what the Alabama roster is going to look like next year. Also sticking with coaching news, Jim Harbaugh has interviewed with the Chargers. I think that was probably his first choice is where he'd like to interview. And there's definitely some mutual interest there. So we're just going to have to wait to see how that plays out. Also, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots decided to part ways. Again, arguably the greatest coach of all time at the NFL level. And for the guy to follow him, that's going to be tough sledding. However, the Patriots have hired their new coach. And his name is Gerard Mayo, not Jared. It is Gerard Mayo. I've seen a few people break this news when it broke, and they were saying his name was Jared. His name is Gerard. This is a former New England Patriots player that has been coaching ever since he's been done playing. And 
was kind of looked at at the Belichick successor because it was actually also in his contract. Everything that I've heard out of New England is that they absolutely love this guy and that there's a reason why he was essentially handpicked to be Bill Belichick's successor. So we will see how he does as his first year of being a head coach. And he is only 37 years old. That is absolutely insane to be 37 and a head coach in the in the NFL. I do believe he is now the youngest coach, the youngest head coach in the NFL. Good luck to Gerard Mayo and the, the New England Patriots next year. Also, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks decide to part ways. Or maybe I should say the Seahawks organization has decided to transition Pete Carroll into more of a ambassador role or advisor or something to that effect. He did want to continue to coach, but the Seattle organization decided the the Seattle Seahawks organization decided it was time for a change at the coach. And probably the most shocking coaching news is that t- the Tennessee Titans fire Mike Vrabel, which I did not understand that. The only thing I could think of is maybe the lack of being able to to develop Ryan Tannehill. So because, I mean, they are a team that is normally looking to be in the playoffs or an above-average team every single year. So don't know who's going to get that job. But I definitely think with the job openings that are in the NFL, I definitely definitely think that Mike Vrabel is going to get another opportunity to coach Something that I've been thinking about probably just because I'm a Kansas City fan is I wonder if Eric Bieniemy is going to get any more interviews besides the, the interview that he'll probably get for the Washington Commanders. So we'll see. I will say I do did think that was kind of a, I'll just call it a strategic move to not fire Eric Bieniemy so the Chiefs couldn't swoop him up for the uh, playoff run. Yeah, and also Mike Tomlin says he is coming back to coach the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, is is it time for him to go? Apparently not. But I tell you what, for Mike Tomlin to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers in over 17 years, never have a losing record, elite level coaching. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers had absolutely no business making it into the playoffs this year. And somehow, some way. He just wills that team and helps that team find a way to be to be above 500 every single year. So glad to see Mike Tomlin coming back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And oh boy, oh boy, super wild card weekend. It was a crazy one. And I will say this. My picks were not good. My wife actually picked better than I did this last weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. So shout out to her because I got one game right, and that was the Chiefs. But we're not going to start with the Chiefs. We're going to start with the Super Wild Card Weekend recap. We'll start first with the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. I truly thought this was going to be a close game, and the way the Joe Flacco had been playing, but they would pull it out. But that boy, C.J. Stroud, got ice in his veins. The Houston Texans came out absolutely gunning. Hits Nico Collins for a big-time long touchdown. And if I'm Cleveland, like I did not understand why they were not bracketing 
Nico Collins. He's their best receiver and his best weapon. Why would you not try to take that away? But they obviously didn't. And let me tell you, he had a day. Nico Collins ends up having six catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. And I'll tell you what, as good as CJ Stroud was, and he is proving to have a very impressive rookie year, and maybe even arguably, depending on how this year ends for him, arguably maybe the best rookie season season of all time. But let me, boy, as good as C.J. Stroud was, I tell you what, maybe the best player on the Houston Texans team was Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco throws not one, but two pick sixes back to back. You cannot do that and win in the NFL, period, especially in the playoffs. And that was such a shame because Joe Flacco had played so good for the Cleveland Browns. And for him to go into that game and make those mistakes, it was, man, it was very disheartening, especially as a Browns fan, because you're thinking, you know, I know we probably weren't supposed to be here because no one thought that Joe Flacco was going to come in off the couch and do what he did, but he did. But for the Browns to come up with that type of performance is, is man, it, it really sucks because I really thought the Browns' defense was really going to going to have a pretty decent day against the Texans, but they did not. The Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud tore. The, the Texans' offense put the Cleveland Browns' defense in a blender, and they absolutely blended them up to shreds. So Houston gets the win 45 to 14 over the Cleveland Browns. They advance to play. Houston advances and Cleveland is now done. CJ Stroud is continuing to prove that the Houston Texans got it right with the second pick in the draft. I'll tell you what, though, if if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you might be crying right now because you're thinking, well, we took Bryce Young at number one and the Texans got CJ Stroud at number two, but Houston's Houston Texans get the win over the Cleveland Browns 45-14. Moving on to the game that I was most interested in. The Kansas City Chiefs get the win over the Miami Dolphins 26-7. It was negative four at game time with a windshield of negative 27. It was colder than Antarctica out there. And let me tell you, the Chiefs came out on the opening drive. They was playing like it was 75 and sunny because they come out with Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball all over the yard. Now, I will say, the Chiefs go down and score on the first possession. I think that a forgotten play in this game is on the Chiefs' first drive. On They have third and eight or third and nine on their very first drive. And... Patrick Mahomes completes a pass to Travis Kelsey for the first down. If that completion does not happen, I don't know if this game goes the way it goes. I'm not saying I'm not saying the Chiefs wouldn't win, but I think the game could have possibly been a lot closer than what it was because if Miami stops the Chiefs and they go three not early. You know, I think that could have, you know, possibly swung the momentum a little bit to Miami. However, I will say I had multiple people at the game. I knew multiple people that were at the game and they said, and you can also tell by the way they played, but they said in, in pregame warm up or when the, the Dolphins came out of the tunnel, they said 
you could just tell when they came out of the tunnel in their pregame that they wanted nothing to do with being there. I had one, uh, my, my good friend Christopher tell me that, uh, you know how you look like when it's really cold outside and you go out to your mailbox to get the mail? That's what the Miami Dolphins look like coming out of the tunnel for, for their pregame warm-up. And so, by the way Miami played, you could tell they are definitely not comfortable playing in the the elements of being cold. They did not want to tackle. However, Tyreek Hill does catch a 50, like a 52-yard touchdown pass. That's the only score that Miami gets. But let me tell you, <laughs> Legereus Need locked Tyreek Hill up. The touchdown catch was on Trent McDuffie, which Trent McDuffie is no slouch by any means. He's an all-pro. He's a, he's a great player as well. But there was one particular play that I think has gone viral on on social media. Is There is one play that Legereus Need jams Tyreek Hill and literally jams him into the ground like Tyreek Hill is his son. It was absolutely hilarious. And as a Chiefs fan, that just made me smile. And it, it was even funny that Tyreek even acknowledged it after the game. He said, yeah, man, you know what? There was that one play that uh that Sneed jammed me back to Cancun. You're dang right he did. But the Chiefs' offense was very opportunistic, I would say. They score on their first drive of the game. Harrison Bucker has four field goals, and then they score late in the fourth quarter when when they really need need to 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 extend that lead and essentially put their put the Dolphins out of their misery. That boy Jerry Rice. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, Rasheed Rice shows up again. Eight catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. He was straight balling out there. And one thing I did notice that I think that if you're not really paying attention and not if you truly don't understand plays and concepts when it comes to offense a couple of those catches that Rashid had I believe the touchdown catch that he had and then one of the other ones that he had that he had a lot of yards after the catch was that Travis Kelsey can run a run a route in a certain way to possibly help guys get open or maybe make the defenders eyes being the place where they're not supposed to be for a second or make it to where a defensive back is a half step slow because of the threat that he is. And I think that's very underrated in Travis Kelsey's game because there are times, a lot of times in games where he's running, running routes in certain ways to, if he's not getting the ball, but it's also helping other guys get open and Rasheed Rice balled out. He has been definitely the chief's best pass catcher over, over the last four to five weeks. And I think that this is a good time for the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they're going to go up to uh, Buffalo this coming week, but we're not, not going to get into that now. But they're going to go up to Buffalo, and they're going to need Rasheed Rice. They're going to need Travis Kelsey, and they're going to need Isaiah Pacheco on the offensive line because it's going to be – it's not going to be as cold, but it's going to be another cold one. But the Chiefs, in my mind, they do exactly what they were supposed to do to the Miami Dolphins in the elements. And it's always good – to send former players home that have left your team. You know, uh, I, I do wonder if Tyreek wished that he would have stayed, but, you know, I started thinking about that, and probably not, because anytime you have a player that is a lead at what, what he does and you have an opportunity to create generational wealth for your family, it's something that you just 
as a man, you take it. Especially in that type of situation. 70, 72 million guaranteed. It's hard to say no to. But again, super happy with the Chiefs. They played exactly how they should and get the dub over the Miami Dolphins at home. 26-7. Moving on to the... <laughs> How about them Cowboys? Oh my gosh, I did pick the Cowboys. However, I also said I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. And this is exactly what I thought could possibly happen. The Dallas Cowboys absolutely crap down their pants at home against a Green Bay Packers team that Jordan Love out here looking like Aaron Rodgers, like, let's just be honest. That's what he was looking like. He was dropping dimes. I mean, the offensive plays were so good, he had receivers running wide open, okay? Jordan Love has the game of his life. He goes for almost 303 touchdowns. Aaron Jones was an absolute beast in this game. He he has uh, 118 yards on the ground and three touchdowns, and Romeo Dobbs was balling with six catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. I try to tell people, and they don't want to listen to me, okay? Don't get it twisted. I love Alex Smith, okay? Dak Prescott is just like Alex Smith. He will get you to the playoffs, but he will not get you to an NFC Championship or a Super Bowl. That's just not who he is because he doesn't play well in the postseason. The only way Dak can take you to an NFC Championship and or a Super Bowl is if his defense is absolutely elite. And the problem is, is that the Dallas Cowboys defense picks and chooses when it wants to be elite. Dude, this game, I know the score was 48 to 32, but this game was never close. The Green Bay Packers jump out to a 20, 20 point lead into, into the second quarter. I believe at halftime, I think it's 21 or 28 7. This game was never close. It was never in doubt. And I'll tell you what, Micah Parsons, did he play? Oh, he did play, but. But he didn't make no plays. If you're going to have a podcast as an athlete in the NFL and you run your mouth, you better show up when it's money time. And Micah Parsons was absolutely nowhere to be found. You could look high and you could look no, but he was absolutely nowhere to be found. And for a guy that's supposed to be elite, hey, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time situations. So, Micah Parsons, where were you at, bro? Dak Prescott, where were you at? Dak didn't get off the bus either. Dak over here having two picks, one being the pick six. And let me tell you, I know Dak's numbers look good because he ends up throwing for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He has two picks. The majority of those yards came in the second half when they were already down by over 20 points. So those stats don't mean crap to me because to me they're empty calories. The reason why you were why you were able to throw for four hundred yards is because you were down by by twenty and twenty seven points, and so the defense are playing this soft. This was if you're a Cowboys fan, you have absolutely embarrassed. And I'll tell you another thing: is Jerry Jones needs to be a dang owner. He needs to disappear, and he needs to let his general manager and his head coach. Do what do what they what they supposed to do. The reason why the Cowboys, in my opinion, can't be 
as successful as they want to be because they always got the added pressure of their, of their owner, Jerry Jones, running his mouth. If you think about it, what, what's been the one prominent thing in Dallas, why they can't win? It's not the coach because before Mike McCarthy, it was, oh, um, Jason Garrett. So you went through Jason Garrett, and now you now now people want Mike McCarthy fired. What's the common denominator? It's Jerry Jones and it's Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is not that dude. He's not a scrub, but he's not going to get you to an NFC Championship or Super Bowl. Plain and simple. I tell you what, Jordan Love is looking like that dude. Jordan Love is making the Packers front office look good right now because he's the guy they drafted to replace Aaron Rodgers, and that's exactly what he's doing, getting his team to the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, now since Aaron Rodgers don't play for Green Bay Packers, I think that the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboys fans, um, I know Aaron Rodgers was their daddy, but now it's Jordan Love. And the reason why that is is because ever since AT&T Stadium has been built, the Packers have more playoff wins in that building than Dallas. How embarrassing is that? The Green Bay Packers, I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. The Green Bay Packers have more wins in AT&T Stadium, which is Dallas's stadium, than Dallas does in the playoffs since it's been built. And I think that's all I got to say about that. Packers get the win over the Cowboys, 48-32. Next on the docket, we got the best game of Super Wild Card Weekend, the Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams. The Detroit Lions get the win over the Rams, 24-23. This was a close game. This was a game that was decided uh, within two minutes of the uh, in the with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. Matthew Stafford balls out. He throws for 367 yards and a touchdown. Puka Nakua continues to prove why he is probably he's had the best rookie season I think of anyone in a long time. Puka Nakua has nine catches, 181 yards, and a touchdown. But that just wasn't enough. Jared Goff, he was a great game manager. Detroit Lions defense came to play. Uh, Amon St. Brown had, had a great day as well. He had seven catches for 110 yards. And this game was close. Again, this is a one-point game. This, is a, this was a game that Detroit jumps out early in the first quarter, 14-3. And then all of a sudden you have... The Rams that come back in the second quarter, they put up two touchdowns. Okay, so now halftime, you're looking at 17-21. And then in the second half, there's only nine points that are scored. Okay, six by the Rams and three by the Lions. So that first half that first half was really the difference in the game. And for all the storylines with, you know, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, for those who don't know, Matthew Stafford was – the quarterback in Detroit before Jared Goff. And basically he had played there for many seasons and basically has, I believe has all the records for passing yards in a career and all of touchdowns and all that type of stuff. He basically said, I played here long enough. We're not going to go to the playoffs. Please trade me somewhere where I have a chance to go win a Super Bowl. So the Detroit Lions trade Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams and the Rams in return give Detroit the Detroit Lions Jared Goff 
who had taken them to Super Bowl but couldn't get it done. So basically the Rams kind of discarded Jared Goff to the Lions so they could get Matthew Stafford. And the fact that, you know, I will say, though, you know, the Rams did get a Super Bowl, I believe, Matthew Stafford's first or second year there. But for, for the Rams to have to come back and have a guy like Jared Goff lead them to a record that, that the Detroit Lions get the first home playoff game in 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 Detroit in 30 years, and the fact that he goes out and he wins that game, and then especially in, in the fourth quarter having to throw and convert a first down to Monse Brown to, to win the game, it's got to make that dude feel good. I'm so happy for Jared Goff and for the D, the Detroit Lions. The, and the Detroit Lions fans deserve this win. I'm so happy for them because, again, it was their first home playoff game in 30 years. So, again, I picked the Rams. The Lions did win, but I'm super happy for the Lions and think that they have an opportunity to make some more noise in the playoffs. So, again, Detroit Lions get the win over the Los Angeles Rams 24-23. to Next game on the docket, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at Buffalo. This game really wasn't close. The Buffalo Bills dominated this game from start to finish. Josh Allen, as much as it pains me to say, looked really good. 203 yards through the air, three touchdowns. Also had, um, I think he had like 70-some-odd yards on the ground, and he also had a 52-yard rushing TD. They just dominated. Dalton Kincaid and uh, Knox, I believe their other tight end, both caught touchdown passes in, in the first half. I believe they're the first. Uh, tight end duo to to catch t- to catch touchdown passes in the first half of, of a playoff game in a very long time. So Buffalo dominated. However, Buffalo did lose their middle line, their starting middle linebacker, and another person to injury. The two guys that they lost on defense, if they're not available on Sunday, that is definitely going to hurt them with their game against the Chiefs. You know, again. As the seventh seed, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, like I talked about, the Pittsburgh Steelers had absolutely no business. How they made it to the playoffs, I don't know. I mean, and this game could have been a little different, but Pittsburgh Steelers also lost TJ Watt in the last game of the season. So if TJ Watt doesn't get hurt, this game could possibly be a little closer because he is an absolute game wrecker. Again, Buffalo dominates the Pittsburgh Steelers 31-17 and sets up a great matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round of the playoffs. And oh, oh, how sad this was. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers get the win over the Philadelphia Eagles 32-9. Like, I cannot understand why the offensive play caller, Tampa Bay was blitzing so much like, why were they not having hot reads? Like, I just did not get that. I mean, they were just blitzing the hell out of Jalen Hurts. I will, uh, Devontae Smith had, he, he had a good game. He had eight catches for 148 yards, but that just wasn't enough. How about Baker Mayfield resurrecting his career in Tampa Bay? Baker throws for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Kate Otten was his top receiver with eight catches and 80, 89 yards. Man. I know that my wife was ecstatic about this because she absolutely loves Baker Mayfield. It was just my biggest takeaway from this game was I don't think people truly understand how hard it is to consistently 
get to a conference championship game. Because kind of like I said earlier, when it comes to Alabama, it, like it's hard to get to the top, but it's even harder to stay on top. I mean, the Eagles were just in the Super Bowl last year and were a heavy Super Bowl favorite at the beginning of this year. If you would have told me at the beginning of this year that, that they lose to the Bucks in the playoffs, I would have told you you were out of your mind. But I also just think that just goes to show you how much parity there is in the NFL and teams that consistently make the playoffs and and consistently make it to conference championships and the Super Bowls. If you have a team that does that, then you should you should cherish the moment you the moment you have with that team because it's not going to be like that forever. They were blitzing them all the time, and how they were not the receivers weren't picking up on that and running a hot route to get open. Like I just did not understand that one bit at all. But again. Bucks get the win over the Philadelphia Eagles 32-9. to And that wraps up Super Bowl card weekend. It was a fun weekend again, man. My picks did. I did not do well in my picks. I I picked the Browns, the Texans won. I picked the Chiefs, they won. I picked the Cowboys. They were absolutely thrashed by the Packers. I picked, I picked the Rams. The Lions win. Oh, I did pick the Bills. I did pick the Bills over the Steelers. And then I picked the Eagles over the Bucks. Man, that's rough. So, well, that, that's a recap of Super Wild Card Weekend. I will have a bonus episode coming out later in the week that will preview the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I want to give a shout out to two in particular listeners that I know that listen to the podcast. I want to give a shout out to Trinity and Richard. You guys know who you are. I appreciate you listening. And guys, remember, please be kind. Because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have absolutely no idea about. Until next week, fam. Or should I say, until next episode, fam. Peace.